0: And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine that is put out for consumption by the average evangelical is far from biblical, far from what God's Word says. There's a whole lot of people making a bunch of stuff up, and uh, it's it's really a mess. Talking about really being a mess. Uh, what we're going to be doing today is uh, we're going to be asking and answering the question, can Christians be possessed by demons? That, that, that is, if you are baptized, penitent, filled with the Holy Spirit, believer in Jesus Christ, can you be, well, can you be demonized? Can you actually have demons that have to be cast out of you? You know, like the demon of nicotine, the demon of tar, the demon of menthol. Yeah, I'm not making that up. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's what we're talking about here. uh, And you're sitting there going, all right, already we're like into wingnut wackerdoodleism territory. And yes, we are into wingnut wackerdoodleism territory and there's a reason for it by the way and the reason for it has everything to do with um the fact that uh the the, the pentecostal and charismatic movements historically are descendants of uh lutheran pietism i i you, you, if you're thinking really that's true Yeah, actually it is. And uh, on tomorrow's episode of Fighting for the Faith, I'm going to be playing a a Sunday school lesson where I I go into more of the historical roots uh, as it relates to uh, Lutheran pietism, which starts off with uh, Philip Jakob Spainer, uh, is developed then and turned into a a really toxic form by a, a, a theologian by the name of Franca, that's his last name. And they 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 uh, introduce their doctrines to the world and uh, become the the major theological position that under uh, underpins a group called the Moravians under Count Zinzendorf, and it was uh, John Wesley who had uh, John and Charles Wesley had extended contact with the Moravians. uh, You know, I think on one of their Atlantic passages from either from or to Georgia uh you know the the georgia colony uh you know which is now in the united states and uh one of the major underpinnings of uh, of wesleyan uh methodism was this belief in christian perfectionism now i'm not going to get into the uh you know the finer points of all of this i'll do a little bit more on of uh, on this on tomorrow's episode of finding for the faith uh, but the point is is that uh, that doctrine uh, of uh, Christian perfectionism that, uh, that Wesley said a Christian can attain then becomes the underpinning for the holiness revivalists, uh, and uh, one of them being Phineas Brzee, who was uh, in Los Angeles and the guy who founded Pasadena Nazarene. Phineas Brzee was also instrumental in forming the Church of the Nazarene, which I, uh, I grew up in. And uh, and Phineas Brzee and Frank Bartleman are contemporaries of each other. And uh, Bartleman was a holiness guy and Bartleman was an instrumental uh, leader and, uh, you know, and participant in the Azusa Street revivals. And all of that being said, you're sitting there going, why? What are you doing? I'll I'll explain more tomorrow, by the way. I I promise. But uh, the idea here is, is that at the end of the day, uh, many Pentecostals, it you know, overtly or tacitly—I mean, you can kind of do this in—in in like big bold letters or just assume it—believe that if you have the second baptism of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in tongues, uh, which, by the way, uh, that's not a biblical concept. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. But uh, in in the charismatic movements, uh, when you believe that uh, you know, you somehow now glow in the dark. Uh, because you're uh, of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, what they believe that ends up doing is canceling out original sin. So if you ha- are struggling with bonafide sins of the flesh, what ends up happening is that uh, they don't have a category for that. So the only explanation that that could that they can come up with as to why you are dealing with sins of the flesh is due to the fact that well you have to have demons, and so you know so the solution is. You know, something akin to exorcism, you know, without your head spinning around and projectile vomiting. But uh, anyway, you you kind of get the idea. So what we're going to be listening to on this installment of Fighting for the Faith, we're going to be listening to Kathy DeGraw. She is uh, uh, kind of the go-to person when it comes to deliverance work uh, as, uh, as an author, a publisher, you know, curriculum teacher on de- deliverance. Uh she's written over 100 articles over at Charisma Magazine and they're uh, they're selling a course there uh with her, you know, all about learning how to cast demons out of Christians. And the problem is is that this is not a biblical practice and Christians who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit are not filled with demons. And uh, we're going to spend some time today working through what is biblical sanctification uh, can Christians be possessed by demons? And and offer some counterpoints, uh, counterpolemics to uh, what Kathy DeGraw is saying. And then on tomorrow's episode of Fighting for the Faith, um, I, the, I'm going to be uh, giving a, a a short history lesson from a Sunday school lesson I did this past week, talking about uh, you know I, you know this again talking about this topic of uh, holiness and the the doctrine of Christian perfectionism and how it is. Creating you know it, there's still lingering aspects to this as it's running through the church especially now as it resides in the Pentecostal movement and uh, and ask the question how do we know we still have a sinful nature uh, you know we'll talk a little bit about that today but uh, more in, in depth tomorrow so with all of that being said uh, since we're going to be de- doing a prophetic holy orders uh, network information exchange syndicate update let's uh, do this
1: At an English fair, one evening I was there when I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare.
2: I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are standing in a row. Big one small one, some as big as your head, and give them a twist, a flick of the wrist. That's what the showman said.
0: I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roll a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roll a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roll a ball, a penny a pitch. Roll a
2: ball, roll a ball, singing roll a ball, a penny. A
0: Yeah, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. So uh, we are heading over to the YouTube channel for Kathy DeGraw. Like I've noted, she's a uh, popular author at Charisma Magazine and in-house expert when it comes to all things uh, that relate to deliverance ministry, the casting of demons out of Christians. And uh, we're going to be listening to a teaching of hers titled Deliverance, Why People Aren't Being Set Free. Uh, think of it this way. This is a, a, an awkward moment for her because she's having to address the fact that people in the charismatic and the NAR movements have availed themselves of deliverance ministries They and they still are struggling with sins of the flesh. And so what is Kathy DeGraw's explanation for all of this? Well, we're about to find out. Here we go.
3: Hi, everyone. I wanted to take a few moments tonight and release a teaching to you. That the Lord continually puts on my heart, but even in the last 24
0: hours. So note, where did this teaching come from? The Lord put this on her heart. I don't think so.
3: hours, he's put on my heart again. And so I just really want to release that to you to empower that into you. I want to tell you real quick why everyone's signing on. I have a mega resource sale on my website at degrawministries.org. I've taken all my books.
0: Teaching for shameful gain things she ought not to teach. This is false doctrine.
3: And put them at drastically reduced prices to empower you. And I'm even going to be giving you a free copy of my book, A Worship Woven Life. And I'm going to be signing each book with a prophetic word just to really empower you and encourage.
0: Uh, She doesn't just sign her books. You don't just get
3: an autograph. You get a prophetic word with them. Uh Uh-huh you, so, as you come on, I want you to you know tell me who's on what city are you from, and I really just pray that this teaching will bless you tonight of why perhaps you've had deliverance ministry, but you're still not set free
0: <laughs> awkward, yeah, you know i the deliverance minister you know cast all the demons out of me, and wouldn't you know it? I still sin. Mm-hmm
3: because that's uh the common thing that i hear these days is i've had deliverance ministry but i'm not set free.
0: By the way, the reason why is because <laughs> deliverance ministry is not a biblical practice. It will not empower you in christian sanctification. And it's as effective at curing, you know, curing what ails you spiritually as uh, psychic surgery in the Philippines is uh, effective at you know, healing cancer and stuff like Google it. There's people who've debunked it and uh, actually teach you how to engage in this. I'm going to make this claim and I'm going to stand by it that uh, what Kathy DeGraw is describing here is as effective as psychic surgery. It's, this is not a biblical practice. This won't help you. In fact, it's a form of malpractice. Spiritually, it'll hurt you.
3: And so why is that? Why do we have deliverance ministry and we're not set free? I'm going to give you the keys tonight. And I'm going to give you the keys to how and achieve and receive that freedom. I was talking to...
0: All right. So she's going to give us that. Now I'm going to fast forward because she did this as like, you know, one of those Periscope thingies or Facebook Live. So she was still waiting for people to populate her live stream. So I'm going to go forward, you know, a little bit like a minute and a half where she actually now gets into the teaching proper here we go so
3: why aren't you set free
0: why why am i not set free
3: so shout out if you've had deliverance ministry and you feel like you're not set free
0: yeah i had psychic surgery you know for my obesity and still fat
3: so the key is we can't just do repentance renunciation you know there's
0: just can't you can't do repent repentance isn't enough man you can't just renounce and do renunciation that's how she pronounced it. No, it's not enough.
3: Eight hours that Henry Wright teaches a lot of restoring the foundation and um, sozo. A lot of the different.
0: So you got to do sozo and stuff too. Yeah. Which of the apostles did sozo?
3: Healing ministries don't focus enough on deliverance, casting out the demon.
0: Yeah. See, the problem is if you're getting that sozo stuff and you're soaking, you know, and and you know, like Mister Sponge. So if you're not, you know, you're doing Sozo, and you know, you've had inner healing, but the issue is you're you're still sinning. Well, it's because they forgot to cast the demons out of you.
3: Amen. And so they may do the inner healing. They may go to the root cause. They may try and help you work through unforgiveness and repentance. But let's look at the red letter words of the Bible. And the red-letter words of the Bible said, Jesus said what? Go. And we say, go in Jesus' name. He said, get out and do not enter him anymore.
0: He- yeah, that was what Jesus said to a demoniac. Now, we're, we're going to take a look at those red letters real quick and uh, consider what Christ himself says regarding demons once they're cast out of somebody who is demonized, what happens. And we'll, we'll let him explain a few things, and we'll just do a little cross-reference work Regarding the state of a Christian, so uh, our first text today, Matthew chapter 12. I'll start at verse 33. Notice all the red letters, and so these red letters. In fact, let me do this. I'm gonna make. I made it so that uh, I, my my Bible was too big, way too big. There we go. It's the, all the red letters are now centered on the screen. I got a little excited. All right. So uh, when an unclean spirit, Jesus says, has gone out of a person. All right, so there's a demoniac, somebody who has an unclean spirit. Jesus casts the demon out, or one of his disciples casts the demon out. It passes through waterless places, seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house, and listen to the word, empty, swept, and put in order. Yeah, so if a demon comes back and finds the house empty, well, then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also, will it be with this evil generation? All right, so my question then is is that if somebody is a demoniac, somebody is actually legitimately suffering from, you know, from possession. And a disciple of Jesus Christ casts that demon out and says, well, there you go. Everything's all cleaned up and uh, you should be good now. Uh, And then doesn't preach the gospel to that person? You know, that's not going to be good. Uh, But then let's say they do preach the gospel to that person. And that person in hearing the gospel, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. And that person through the powerful working of God, the Holy Spirit, is brought to repentance, sorrow, contrition for sin, and then God the Holy Spirit produces in that person faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. They are then baptized. What is the state of that person? Is, are they empty? Or are they filled with the Holy Spirit? That's kind of the operative question. Uh, what is the state of a Christian? Is a Christian empty? Or is a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, next text in this regard, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And by the way, I'm going to come back into 1 Corinthians 6. We'll do a little bit more work in the context here because it'll help us. Uh, Here's what the Apostle Paul says regarding Christians. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Well, if my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, if I were ever demonized, you know, prior to being a Christian, and somebody cast the demon out of me, then when that demon came back to see if things, you know, how things were, would the demon find me empty or filled with the Holy Spirit? Answer, filled with the Holy Spirit. So you're going to note here, in order for demons to hang around, uh, things have got to be empty. And so Christians, anybody who's truly a penitent believer in Jesus Christ, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. God has given you the Holy Spirit. That demon comes back. It ain't finding nothing empty. There's the Holy Spirit. You think the uh, demon's going to go, Oh, let's see if we can actually, you know, sneak back in. That ain't that ain't gonna work. Okay. In fact, nowhere in scripture do you see a believer, a believer in Jesus Christ, filled with a spirit that's demonic. That that's nowhere. In fact, nowhere in scripture do you see the apostles talking about now, uh, let's make sure you Christians are casting out all these demons that are still in you. No, because Over and again, the point of the epistles, the writings of the apostles, is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and that this is a reality of Christians, and that being the temple of the Holy Spirit, being united with Christ in his death and his resurrection, these are the things that we are to latch on to by faith in working against the sins of our flesh. Yeah, we'll talk about that too in a minute. So already we got a problem here and the problem is that uh Kathy DeGraw who's written hundreds of articles for Charisma Magazine is teaching a course on deliverance you can buy for 145 bucks right now at Charisma Magazine is teaching that Christians can be well filled with demons and she's misquoting Christ in the process. Mm-hmm. So uh this is a problem because this isn't Christian sanctification. This is a whack, wingnut, wackerdoodle, false teaching and false practice that will harm people rather than help them in Christian sanctification. Let me back this up just a little bit and we can see The red
3: letter words of the Bible. And the red letter words of the Bible said, Jesus said what? Go. And we say go in Jesus' name. He said get out and do not enter him anymore. He what? He cast out the deaf and dumb spirit.
0: He- right. From somebody who was demonized, that person was not a believer in Christ prior to Jesus casting out the demon.
3: He rebuked the spirit, and he gave it a follow-up command. He took authority. Rebuke means take authority.
0: No, it doesn't. Uh, okay, so so he took authority over it. So, you know, the reason why you, you, you're struggling with sins of the flesh is because you haven't taken authority and cast out demons out of you. That, that's just silly. Now, real quick, let's do a little bit more work here. All right, so I'm just going to assume you, you are baptized. You are believers in Jesus Christ. And you, you you confess that Jesus Christ has bled and died for your sins. You believe this. And the daily Christian walk for you is a struggle. And, and by the way, it is for me as well. There's a reason for this. And the reason is, is because you still have your sinful flesh to contend with. And let's take a look biblically at how we are to understand this struggle. It's not with demons that you're struggling, although you can be tempted by the devil. The thing you're struggling against is your own sinful flesh, which you still have hanging around your neck. So uh, let's take a look at some other passages, shall we? All right, so we talked about that one already. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. book of Galatians teaches beautifully that we are saved by grace through faith, by what Christ has done for us, apart from works of the law, that salvation is gift from beginning to end because of God's grace and his mercy. This is most certainly true. And then you notice at the back end of Galatians, the Apostle Paul teaches the same doctrine that he teaches extensively in the book of Romans, particularly in Romans chapter 7. But we're going to take a look at what the Apostle Paul is now saying to Christians. Here's what he says. You were called to freedom. By the way, sin is slavery. This is a biblical category. So we were called to freedom. So do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the what? For the flesh, for the sarks. Ha, all right. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. But I say, and watch what he says walk by the Spirit. Now, this phrase by the Apostle Paul, especially in the book of Galatians, by the Spirit, he uses that phrase synonymously with by faith. You can see this very clearly in Romans, uh, not Romans, but uh, Galatians chapter 3. Let me show you it so you can kind of see how this works. Galatians 3. Uh, Paul writes, Oh foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you is before your eyes that Christ Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. So let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by, and watch the phrase, by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? So you're going to know, hearing by faith and by the Spirit, these are synonymous concepts in the book of Galatians. And it's not always the case when you hear by the Spirit that that's what he's referring to. But the idea here is that even our sanctification occurs by faith, and it is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? All right, now all that being the the case, Biblical, True biblical sanctification, which involves the daily putting off of your old nature and the putting on of the new man that you are in Christ, the daily mortification of your sinful flesh and its passions and its desires. All of this is done by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit, because it is the Spirit who produces the fruit of the Spirit in you, not you producing the fruit of the Spirit in you. We'll talk about that, but coming back to what we were looking at In Galatians 5, so Paul says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the what? Of the flesh. All right. So now he's going to list a list here. And we should all be familiar with this because the list I'm going to list now, I'm going to just read from Galatians. You and I, we've all had, we all have firsthand experience with at least one, if not most of the things on this list. So the desires of the what? The flesh. This is not demonic stuff. This is the, these are the desires of your sinful flesh. They are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want. So as a new creation in Christ, the, the regenerate you, okay, because you have been raised from the dead and you are in Christ, the regenerate you is in conflict with your old sinful flesh. And so the normal Christian life feels like a constant butting of heads between who you are in Christ, the new creation that you are, and your old sinful flesh. That's what it's like. And so these are the, the desires of each are opposed to each other. The new man that is in Christ desires to do good works, to love neighbor and to love God your old sinful flesh, only desires to serve self, to love self, and no, nothing but self. That, and so you've got this conflict going on now inside of you, and that's normal. So if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, notice what it says, the works of the what? Flesh. Believe me, if the demons and the devil himself were all presently cast into the lake of fire, Christians would still sin in these ways. Why? These are the works and the desires of your sinful flesh. Mine too. All right, so here we go. Here's the list. The works of the flesh, they are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, Divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Huh? So, and if you're sitting there going, well, that doesn't describe me at all. You are a liar. Okay. There, <laughs> one or more of these things is describing sins that your sinful flesh wants and desires. And you may even be struggling with that right now. But that's where does that come from? That comes from your sinful flesh. These are the desires and the passions of your sinful flesh. And they are opposed to the new man that you are in Christ and opposed to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So Paul then says this, I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But listen to this, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the Holy Spirit then produces in us his fruit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So the Christian life is a constant budding of heads. So then practically, how then do we deal with this? Well, I would consider what Paul writes in Colossians to be of help and uh, here's what he says if then if if then you have been raised with Christ, and by the way, if you are a baptized penitent believer in Jesus Christ, you have been raised with Christ. Here's what you're going to do ready? Seek the things that are above. Notice that what Paul's writing here assumes that there, there's already an internal conflict. there's the internal conflict between your old sin- the desires of your sinful flesh, seeking after the things that are here, gratifying its sinful desires and passions. And the new man that you are in Christ, so what are we to do? Daily wake up, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Notice he's writing this to Christians, which means we Christians still have things that are earthly within us. So put it to death. And if again, if you're not sure, you know, what how do I know something's earthly in me? All right, well, here's a list again sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you two once walked, and this is how you conducted your life when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So what does this look like? It's daily repentance. And so you wake up in the morning, and it's a good idea to pray. Uh, I Did you notice that uh, men like... Daniel, they prayed three times a day. Prayer is a big deal. Study the scriptures. Have your, you know, Be in the biblical text. This is where our minds then are conformed to the mind of God in the biblical text. So daily prayer, daily reading of the scriptures for understanding it in its context. It's not like it's some kind of magical thing. And what happens is as you're interacting and praying and praying the way Christ has taught us to pray, deliver us from the evil one lead us not into temptation deliver us from the evil one and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us as you're reading the word of god the word of god's going to confront you regarding your own sin your passion and desire for sin and also all of the different ways in which you believe falsely which is idolatry sins against god in unbelief sins against others in serving yourself and only yourself and what do we do we daily confess that we are sinners and ask god to forgive us and ask god through the spirit to give us the strength to obey what god has commanded us and we pray that the holy spirit would produce his fruit in us in daily repentance so that we may grow in love for others that's the idea in which other words in other words there's no sexy simple solution to this the christian life is a daily putting off of your old self daily putting to death your your sinful flesh and its passions and you will not be released from this daily tension and fight until you die or until jesus returns in glory and you are resurrected from the dead and you will have a new body that doesn't have these passions and desires, that isn't corrupted by sin. You get the idea. So there is no magic pill to this. This is a painful, difficult, hard process as we learn to daily repent of our sin and unbelief and our false belief and idolatry, and daily by the power of the Spirit, trusting that what God is saying is true here, that the Holy Spirit will enable us through the means of grace, through his word, to mortify our sinful flesh, continue to humble us so that we do not satisfy the sinful flesh and its desires. But you're gonna note all those things described here, the, the, those the, those aren't demons. That's your sinful flesh. That these verbal up from within you. If you really want to get a full picture of what that looks like, then go back to like Romans chapter seven. Paul says, You know, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Who will deliver me from this body of death? But thanks be to God, there is now, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we put to death passions of our sinful flesh by faith. Now, coming back then to 1 Corinthians 6, I wanted to point this out. Is You'll note that this is the text that says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Paul writing to Christians, to Christians, you know, wait a second, Christians aren't supposed to be struggling with this stuff. They do because they still have a sinful flesh. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor the thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, past tense, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. In fact, You are a baptized, penitent believer in Jesus Christ, trusting him for the forgiveness of your sins. You are a new creation in Christ. You've been washed. You've been justified. You are no longer a slave to sin. This is what scripture says. So do you believe it or not? So all things then are lawful for me, you know, all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, stomach for food. God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised up, uh, raised the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So here, here we're dealing with the sin of sexual immorality. What's Paul saying here? Pay attention. The Scriptures make it clear: your bodies are now members of Christ. You have been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified. You belong to Jesus. So, by faith then, recognize that your bodies are members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? No, never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. So note here, Paul's not casting out demons. He's pointing them to the reality that is true for all those who are in Christ. So flee from sexual immorality. You don't have to cast a demon out if you're struggling with a sexual sin. Flee it. Flee it. All right? Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God your body. You sit there you go, but I still have these temptations. Right. By faith and the power of the Spirit, call on God to give you the strength to mortify the passions of your sinful flesh, to give you the strength to obey the commands that God has given us in Scripture. Confess that you are by nature sinful and unclean. Call upon God to forgive you and give you strength to obey Him. That's walking it out by faith. That's the idea here. There's nothing sexy about it. It's actually quite humble, and it's a difficult process. It involves God disciplining us, pruning off branches from us so that we will produce the fruit of the Spirit. There is no one and done. Just take this pill, and you'll no longer deal with these temptations anymore. And the person who says to you, if you are struggling with these sins, it's because you have demons, is a quack. The reason why you're struggling with these sins is because you are a sinful human being, just like me, just like everybody else. Your sinful flesh desires these things. So does mine. So you get the idea. All right. All of that's your your foundation for this. You now understand what the Bible teaches in this regard. No simple s- solution to this. All right, we're going to pause our look at Kathy Degras Doctrines of Demons concepts uh, while we pay some bills here. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, more of Kathy DeGraw. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Peter, James, John, and Paul are all dead. That means there are no living apostles in the church today. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
1: This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe.
2: Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Max Holliday's Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. in other news, it seems that the inhabitants of Earth are not the only ones subject to economic slumps. Jensen Franklin, through direct revelation from God, has given us information that says that the unemployment rate within God's own army has drastically risen. Take a listen.
3: An angel came and opened the doors and broke the chains. My point to you is simply this. When you don't pray, angels become unemployed. The greatest tragedy... A prayerlessness is the unemployment of angels. Because when you pray, God gives angels their their orders. When you
1: pray, the spiritual battle in the heavenlies begins to be armed with the prayers of the saints and people binding. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven.
0: Attention angels, this is uh, the Holy Spirit. I have an announcement regarding the uh, latest downturn in the economy and I understand that a lot of you have been unemployed lately due to a lack of prayer and I wish there was something that I could do about this, but you know I feel so powerless when it comes to these kind of things. Um, we uh, we've uh, created a welfare uh, basket uh, spiritual relief type of thing, and uh, so those of you who have been hit hard by the latest downturn and are now finding yourselves unemployed, uh, please uh, proceed over to the uh, relief office, and uh, we'll see what we can do to help you out. Thank you.
2: All right, all right, everyone just calm down. Thank you. Now, I know that none of you care to be here, but since we're experiencing a worldwide shortage of prayer, it would behoove you to keep calm and allow us to do our jobs. Gabriel, put your wings down. There's not nearly enough room for that. And Michael, Michael, don't cut in line. I know you're the big cheese around here, but all of us have been affected equally. Wait your turn. Next! What's your name?
0: George. George. Whatever. Whatever.
2: Where'd you fly in from?
0: South Orange County, California.
2: California? That's frontline enemy territory. How many tours you done down in that kill box? About nine. Oh, you're quite the veteran. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's Rick Warren's territory, right?
0: Yeah, he's got most of the people down there praying for purpose, better sex, other useless junk like that. Those idiots don't even realize they don't need God for such things.
2: I hear you on that one. Now, I know it's not much, but this is what I can give you. It's our premium spiritual relief basket. Hallelujah.
0: Thank you. I'll be sure to put this to good use.
2: <laughs> I know you will. Next! What's your name, bub? Harold. Okay, Harold. Where are you hailing from?
0: Charlotte, North Carolina.
2: Good gravy. You must really be hurting. Everyone knows that Stephen Furtick's neck of the woods is just filled to bursting with heretical slump. Uh, What are they praying for nowadays?
0: It's the strangest thing.
2: They keep praying to the sun, telling it to stand still. I don't get it. Those morons! Don't they know nothing about astrophysics? If they were to stop the sun, they'd burn half the world to a crisp. Moon rocks have higher IQs than those dingbats. All right, got a relief basket for you.
0: I greatly appreciate the help.
2: (laughs) I know, you're welcome. Next! And your name is... Bob. Bob? I swear, angels these days... All right, Bob, lay it on me. Where you from? Vatican City. Vatican City? <laughs> are those bozos still praying to the dead people and inanimate objects? More than ever. You know, that really frosts my cookies. I mean, seriously. Take Mary, for example. That poor woman has been dead for millennia. She's not answering prayers. Who is the dumb schmuck that thought praying to her would do anything in the first place? Humans! They're so darn gullible sometimes. Anyway, here's your relief basket. Sorry, just getting real tired of that. Happens every time I give someone a basket. Next!
1: people of the interwebs. Strongbird here with an important announcement. <coughs> Are your walls bland? Have you not felt any exhilaration since you watched the paint dry on them three years ago? Well, you're in luck. Pyrochristian Media is now setting pretty, pretty pictures for you to spruce up your depressingly bland wall space. Wait just one moment. uh uh-huh. Oh. Really? Okay. I'm sorry, folks. These are not pretty, pretty pictures. They're fine Fine art art prints. prints. Which means that you're probably going to want to hang them in an actual frame rather than on the fridge next to little Jimmy's impressionist take on motor vehicles. Uh, is that even street legal? These fine art photographs, or, uh, 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 um, art for short... Would be personally signed by the captain himself, with an included certificate of authenticity to boot. Mm-hmm. Now that's quality art, if I ever saw it. But be warned, larger prints of Pyrochristian Christian Media's art are limited editions with only 50 of each print being made. Be sure to go to pyrochristian.com, click on the Fine Art Photographs link at the top of the page, and check for prices and availability. Of our regularly updated photo gallery. Thank you. Bum,
0: bup, bup, bum, bup, bum. Na, na, na 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 na. All right, we're back. Warning: Listening to "Fighting for the Faith" could cause you to believe. Well, what the Bible teaches, that you still have a sinful nature and sins of the flesh are things that we are to struggle against. Just a reminder Fighting for the Faith is listener supported radio. and That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew, the other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew and rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunners Mate at 24.95 a month, from there Master Gunner at 49.95 a month and Quartermaster at 99.95 a month. For the month of March of the year 2020, uh, everybody who joins the uh, the crew at Gunners Mate or above I will send you an autographed copy of my fine art print uh, titled uh, Minnesota Winter Sunset. Uh, it's presently on the uh, website uh, at uh, fightingforthefaith.com on our Join Our Crew page, but it'll only be there during the month of March. So everybody who joins our crew at Gunners Man or above, I will send you one of our fine art prints as my way of saying thank you for joining our crew. Now, if you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we're doing here without it. All right, here is more of, um, well, Kathy DeGraw and her claim that uh, we, we need to be delivered from demons and stuff. Here we go.
3: So he took authority over the demon. And in a lot of the healing ministries, we're not doing that. We're focusing on inner healing. What was your wound? Oh, show me that vision. Let's go back. Let's uh put Jesus in that situation. Was Jesus there? And, you know, sometimes we're implanting. It's just
0: nonsense.
3: A memory that was not and that borders on the line of, you know, new age. and
0: Oh, I'm glad you find that uh, inner healing in that practice is a new age practice, not a biblical one. because That's correct.
3: Witchcraft and stuff like that when Mm -hmm. we're trying to implant a memory. And so there's a lot of healing ministries out there that aren't doing healing the biblical way. Now, just because a ministry has deliverance in its name doesn't mean it's a deliverance ministry. I have preached at so many churches that have had deliverance in their name. And I'm like, you're not doing deliverance at all. And you don't.
0: Neither is she, by the way. I don't
3: even believe in deliverance. You know, deliverance is what? It's going, looking in our past, closing the door, but it's casting out demons. when
0: Christians are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Demons would not be welcome because in order for a demon to come back into a Christian, the, the, well, their body has to be empty and our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit.
3: Jesus was talking about deliverance casting out demons and so don't assume if you're going through you know the internet trying to find a deliverance ministry in your area don't assume friends that oh they have deliverance in their church they do deliverance a lot of people don't even know what deliverance is
0: pretty sure she doesn't either
3: and there's a lot of ministries we had one here locally that was doing deliverance for years. They were casting out demons. And then all of a sudden, there's a big newspaper article. And they're like, we're not casting out demons anymore. Well, why not? Jesus did.
0: Not out of believers.
3: Okay. And that's why we're not being set free. What you need to hear someone speak over your life or what you need to be speaking over your own life is spirit of rejection. Get out. In
0: There is no such thing as a spirit of rejection. That is a myth.
3: In Jesus' name. Spirit of rejection, go in Jesus' name. Spirit of control, leave me.
0: There is no such thing as a spirit of control. That is a mythology.
3: Me, in Jesus' name.
0: Might as well believe in sneaky squids.
3: Jesus never said, stop hindering, get away, okay? He said, get out.
0: To those who were unbelieving demoniacs, yes.
3: Get out. Now, let me tell you what's happening and why you're feeling freedom for a little while, but not forever.
0: Yeah, apparently the placebo effect wears off.
3: Okay, this is going to get good. You ready? So what happens is we go to those inner healing sessions and inner healing and deliverance go hand in hand. Okay, I am not downgrading inner healing. I do inner healing. The difference is I do inner healing and I cast the demon out in the same session.
0: Oh, yes. He's so different. He casts the demons out. Again, Christians are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in order for a demon to come back, the place has to be empty. Christians are not empty.
3: So what happens, friends, is we're going to our inner healing session. And now we just like let loose of all these tears. Oh, we just had this all pivotal moment. Okay. I'm kind of mocking it. I know. But I'm just bold. All right. I'm not going to apologize for that. We just.
0: You should apologize for your blasphemy and false practice teaching that Christians can be possessed by the devil when they can.
3: We had this pivotal moment, and now we think we're free. So we go out and we expect the world to be all brand new and peachy keen and everything like that. And then what happens is six weeks later, we're feeling depressed again, or we're thinking about our problems again.
1: Yeah,
0: that proves that this all is flim flam. What's your explanation for it, by the way, Kathy?
3: Or we got that demonic plague again. All right. You know what happened? That old like emotional pivotal moment you had, or maybe what that minister or counselor told you, it made you feel good for the moment. So you really didn't think about everything. But what happens in that time, watch this. Okay. Because people don't teach about this. This is in my book, starting and Destroying the Works. Of
0: course it's in your book. Not in the Bible, but it's in your book. Got it.
3: Of Satan, you have to get it. It's on sale, guys. Only thirteen dollars. It's usually seventeen.
0: Teaching for shameful gain, things that they ought not to teach.
3: Only like thirteen dollars, guys. You'll never see it that cheap again. So, what happens is these spirits go and they lie, slumber, and dormant. So the spirit.
0: Where in the Bible does it say that demons lie dormant and they slumber? Hmm. I'd like to see those dormant, slumbering demons in the Bible. You just made that up.
3: Of um, depression you had or rejection, what it does is it goes back down in, and it just slumbers out there. So for that six weeks that you're feeling free,
0: does it use a hammock, cot? Where does it sleep exactly?
3: It's just like, oh yeah, enjoy your freedom. I'm gonna come in your back door and I'm gonna bust you and I'm gonna attack you again.
0: How can it get back in if I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Jesus said that when demons come back and find the place empty. Hmm?
3: but you see you're on cloud nine because you just had this big crying episode and you think you're being
0: placebo effect yeah finally i've experienced breakthrough no you haven't because you still have your sinful flesh that's the reason why you're struggling with sin
3: so great okay but then what happens is your husband makes you mad or your boss fires you and now you're feeling rejection again you're feeling depression again and that slumbering demon just awakened okay and he manifested again
0: yeah again It's it's an interesting explanation, not a biblical doctrine, quite the narrative that Christians can be possessed by demons while at the same time filled with the Holy Spirit. Weird.
3: And now what? When you cast it out, you don't fill it up. It comes back seven times worse. That is so, so true.
0: Then that would mean that I don't have the Holy Spirit because Jesus said in order for that to happen, uh, the place has got to be empty.
3: But you didn't even cast it out. But because you poo-pooed it, it still intensifies it. And so we have to do the ministry that Jesus said that Jesus, okay, called us to,
0: and we have Jesus did not call us to cast out demons out of believing Christians. Paul just said, these are the sins of the flesh. And then through faith, by the power of the spirit put to death, the, the desires of the sinful flesh,
3: we have to cast the demon out slumbering dormant spirits work like this let me give you another example you can relate
0: you go right ahead do you have a biblical text for the slumbering dormant demon doctrine
3: to this so maybe uh you're an alcoholic a drug addict uh,
0: alcohol alcoholism drunkenness sin of the flesh just read a passage to that effect
3: um into pornography
0: sexual immorality sin of the flesh that's what paul says under the inspiration of the holy spirit this isn't demons. This is the sins of the flesh.
3: Monography is a great one to use as example. Okay, so what happens? You're addicted to these things, and then all of a sudden your behavior patterns stop. Okay, so you stop drinking, you stop smoking, you stop doing porn. But then what? Three years later, you're drinking again, smoking again, and doing porn again. Why?
0: Because I have a sinful flesh. I have a sinful nature that desires these
3: things. Did you never cast the spirit of pornography out? Masturb-
0: There's a spirit of pornography, really? Where is that in scripture?
3: Masturbation, because pornography and masturbation go hand in hand. You think? You didn't cast the spirit of lust out, perversion, of seducing. Did
0: you cast out the spirit of perversion? Again, these are all sins of the flesh. That's what scripture says. These aren't demons. These are the desires of my sinful nature.
3: Spirit, a lying spirit, a mind-binding spirit. Uh- a mind-binding spirit, really? huh? And so that's why um, people can't get free from pornography is because you're not casting out all the demons that are you know, associated with it. It's-
0: this is no way to combat s- sins of the flesh. Paul didn't talk about demons. He's reminded them of their reality for those who are in Christ, that they have been united with Christ in his body. Therefore, put to death what is evil within you. And the, the the sinful flesh and its passions—that's done by repentance and faith. And God, the Holy Spirit, is the one who produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. What you're talking about, this is complete wingnut whacker And like I said, I, if if I were struggling with a, a, a name a sin here, a, a sin of covetousness. Oh yeah, I've got I've got myself a covetous spirit. This I why would I go to you to solve this problem? Because you know, saying that I have to have this demon of covetousness cast out of me is again, it's akin to going to the Philippines and having a psychic surgeon fix cancer or some real, real bodily ailment.
3: It's the same thing with uh, alcohol or drug addiction. I want to, I want to do smoking because I can do that one really good. Okay, so cigarette smoking. So you give up your smokes, all right? But then what? You know, five years later, you start smoking again because something bad happened. Why? Because that slumbering demon,
0: okay. You got a bunch of slumbering demons inside of you. Something bad happened in their life, and a smoker goes back to smoking. Technically, that's going to fall into the category of idolatry because they're looking to cigarettes to alleviate their anxiety because of the difficult situation they find themselves in. You can make anything an idol, including cigarettes. If it's the thing you're going to, to look for help in time of trouble, then it becomes idolatry, which is a sin. How do, you, how do you deal with it? Confess it as sin. Believe that you are forgiven in Christ, that He's bled and died for these sins, and bear fruit in keeping with repentance, calling out to God, the Holy Spirit, to help us put off our old nature and to put on the new person that we are in Christ
3: that drew you that seduced you into smoking lay dormant because you never had the demon cast out and then something bad happens or you get upset or you go to a party and you get you know awakened to smoking again why Because with cigarette smoking you have to cast out a spirit of smoking and addiction
0: the spirit of smoking and addiction
3: Nicotine
0: the spirit of nicotine Where did you learn about these demons that have these names? tar oh do you have the demon of tar
3: what okay you got to get all of the elements
0: oh you got to get all those demons out of there man it's not enough to just get rid of the demon of cigarettes you got to get rid of the demon of nicotine the demon of addiction the demon of tar did you get rid of the demon of zigzags while you're at it
3: And when we don't get all of the elements, okay, it's all we're doing is masking the problem for a little while. That's why friends, if you're going to a deliverance ministry, you got to make sure they're casting out the demons.
0: This woman sells a course at charisma magazine. This is nonsense.
3: So if you're going around the country interviewing people, Hey, I want you to do deliverance on me. Ask them, do you cast out demons in my session? Are you going to say spirit of control? Go, but that
0: where in scripture does it talk about the spirit control
3: and guys guess what you can't just you know some of you say oh i've had deliverance at the altar oh so and so prayed control off me at the altar if they just said spirit of control go and you felt nothing
0: i what is this religion this is not christianity this is not biblical sanctification this is nonsense question it All right. it's like you know, might as well go to a voodoo witch doctor right throw some bones for me would you
3: If they spent, you know, spirit of control go about 10 times and you felt something leave you, that's great. But what we do is we get
0: felt something leave me.
3: these fireworks off at the altar Oh, spirit of control, go spirit of lust, go spirit of perversion, go spirit of anger, go spirit of rejection, go and nothing is going because you don't even believe you have a demon because
0: I don't. I have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. Jesus said the demon has to find the place empty in order to come back.
3: So if you don't even believe you have a demon, you can't grab a hold of that. But also deliverance is deeper than that. It's deeper than just says, which biblical text Just a quick firework. Okay. You should feel a release. You should feel peace. You should feel the Holy spirit. You should feel a manifestation of the spirit. You should feel a demon leave you if they're praying it off, Mm -hmm. you know, generational curses. I talk about a whole Uh,
0: generational, complete sham
3: section in here and destroying the works of Satan. On generational curses, all right? This is utter
0: nonsense.
3: Generational curses are like the number one thing. I just wrote some articles for Charisma Magazine. You can just like Google. "cat." I'll just
0: skip that. Thanks.
3: Charisma Magazine. It'll bring up all my articles. I've written over a hundred. Um,
0: yeah, this tells you just how balanced the, the biblical teaching is over at Charisma Magazine.
3: But these ones are not on generational curses. And what I specifically said is you got to diagram your family tree. You can't just...
0: Oh, man, I—I I, which of the apostles had to diagram their family tree in order to break generational curses? Did, you, did Paul do that or Peter? Maybe Elijah did it. Where in Scripture does it say to do that?
3: Stand in a prayer line and say all generational curses be gone in Jesus' name and expect him to go. It is not going to happen that way. It's not that simple.
0: Yeah, Christian... Sanctification, real sanctification, bearing the fruit of the Spirit doesn't happen this way, the way this woman's talking. Wow. Um, that was just terrible. So hopefully you found this helpful. Um, Christian sanctification, there's no there's no simple solution because you are gonna have your sinful flesh with you until you die or until Jesus returns. And we daily, by faith, put off the old man, put on the new, walk humbly before the Lord confess our sins, ask to be forgiven, receive that forgiveness, and then call upon God to help us to, and to give us the strength by the Holy Spirit to mortify our sinful flesh so that we may obey him and his commands. There's nothing sexy about it. There's nothing simple about it. And it's just a lifelong process that will not end until you die or Jesus returns. That's the reality because you still have your sinful nature with you until then. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Call me on Twitter, my name there at Firefish Christian. Till tomorrow. May God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ. vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.